Hello and welcome to Keeping It Real, where we're going to dive into the mysterious world of plastic surgery. My name's Alex and each episode I'm sitting down with the respected surgeons Dr Richard Bloom and Dr Kim Taylor from Replastic Surgery and we're going to ask all the hard questions that you want the answers to. Moist and not coming in saying I want to look like Posh Spice or Pamela Anderson. And so it can be quite life-changing for them and um, we see improvements in their self-esteem, their confidence. If someone's had good work done, then no, I don't, I don't believe it is obvious. If you're having a breast augmentation, you know, you don't want to be going to the plastic surgeon who does road trauma. Obsessing about how we look has become a focus for just about everyone in this selfie-driven world today. But for some people, a perceived flaw in their appearance can become a life-challenging problem. Anecdotally, it appears that body dysmorphia is unfortunately on the rise, and this psychological condition can be dangerous, if not identified. So come with us for another episode of Keeping It Real, where we learn about this mental illness and how to deal with it on the path to surgery. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, Kim and Richard. Hi, Alex. Hi, Alex. Well, this one's a bit of a serious topic, body dysmorphia. It's obviously is a rarity, but it's something that you guys do come across from time to time. Why don't we start off by just letting our listeners know what it is. So body dysmorphia or body dysmorphic disorder is is actually a psychiatric condition. It's got set psych criteria that are meet. And as you alluded to, the the actual diagnosis of that is is in very, very few people or potential patients. But it there is a spectrum of people that have a range of issues that may be around their body that, that don't necessarily quite meet the criteria, but they have issues with. So the actual criteria is sort of someone that's obsessed about a specific, usually often a specific part of their body, which may be real or it may be imagined, but um, sometimes it's real, but their obsession about that particular area is above and beyond what is normal and that the importance of what they're seeing is exaggerated to the point where they're often checking the area in the mirror like hundreds of times a day, obsessing over it. They get very distressed about it and they often kind of feel that if this one little thing was fixed, then my life would be normal and complete and I would be fine. And not uncommonly, if a patient has that severity of problem, they, they may have actually already had surgery or a procedure on that area in the past. So a really, really difficult part of our role is when we meet new patients is sitting down and that's why Richard and I actually spend quite a lot of time ourselves with new patients that they're not being screened through any other of our staff members we we sit down with them one-on-one and spend time sort of not quite getting inside their head but sort of seeing what their motivations are asking them what areas concern them and so um, just to clarify there though are you saying that part of this disorder is that people do come in they've already had surgery to address the problem and even if they do have surgery, this isn't all the time, but even if they've had surgery, the, the problem is still there. Potentially. You could be seeing someone for the first time ever, but not uncommonly they've probably seen lots and lots and lots of other practitioners. And if it's even if there is a, a real flaw or a real issue, their perception of it is 
out of control in terms of their obsession about it. And it, it can be relatively obvious when you actually meet someone that, that that fully meets the criteria because they're just they're just like you know but this but and it is often I, I keep pointing to my nose which of course listeners can't see but it's, <laughs> it's commonly um it is commonly around areas on the face and and particularly on the nose and there, there might be this tiny little bump and it's something that they're concern about it is far out of proportion to what's actually mm. visible and absolutely the last thing that we should be doing is offering that person an operation to try and um, address that. Mm. Essentially, in a nutshell, they look in the mirror and they see they don't see what we see. So that's why it's very difficult to operate on them and make them happy because afterwards they also still don't see what we see. So, so And we see it in breasts as well, more breasts than probably tummy. So they'll look in the mirror and they'll say, oh, it's still asymmetric and this nipple's a bit high. And you, and you actually look at it and go, I can't 100% see or I can see it, but it's within the range of normal. It's mm-hmm. way closer than what it was before surgery. And so that's where the challenge is. And that's why they become very, very hard patients. And, and as Kim said, that... It doesn't take us an hour to take a history and examination for a patient having a, a breast surgery, okay? But we spend an hour with patients and most of that is getting to understand the patient, what's driving them, what they're trying to achieve and trying to make sure that you're going to be able to deliver on what their expectations are. Hmm. Previously, we've said that it is rare to see this, this, this disorder, but are you seeing it more? No, I don't think so. Mm. Um, I'm just looking up at the moment and it's estimated that there's probably you know around one percent of the population has has this diagnosis I would like I would say of a hundred patients that I'd see Mm. there wouldn't be one there would be less than that so you know it would be oh it's hard to put a number on of Mm. of the the patients that are actually presenting to us and whether that's because we don't do so much facial surgery and that in a way I guess some patients are still screened a wee bit over the phone by our staff and in terms of what they want their appointment for and what they want addressed but I certainly think in in my practice and I think Richard's nodding a bit as well that we 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 probably see very little of actual diagnosed or needs to be diagnosed cases of that but there are people that have have concerns that are legitimate or slightly less legitimate I guess that you know that they they don't quite have that same degree of obsession Mm. about um, in terms of abnormality yeah so it's certainly a spectrum Mm. so you've got at one end you know like Catwoman who trying to have surgery to make herself look like a cat and the guy wants to look like Ken doll and like that they're that's really that's weird out there there they would stand out and then as Kim is saying there's the other end of the spectrum where there is still a problem but their perception of it is out of proportion with how bad it is and so those ones sometimes they can do well because they're realistic to have it enough to have it in perspective. So the Kendall ones, easy. Okay, so you pick that a mile away. The ones who where they're they're obsessing about some small part of their body, sometimes a little bit harder to pick. But yeah, and also it's uncommon. Mm. So vast majority of patients we're seeing don't have it. So mm. you don't want to be overcalling it either. What do you do if you see a patient who you think 
might have a problem. How do you go about that? And does it mean they're out? There's no surgery, definitely, or do you, definitely what's the in process? the short term would be no surgery. They would need full psyche, psychiatric, psychological evaluation, and usually intervention. And generally, then they they wouldn't then end up coming back for surgery. The difficulty, I guess, is someone that actually has a genuine abnormality. But still, that that you could actually achieve good results from surgery on, but their expectation and their view of that is still abnormal. And so, again, I still wouldn't be, as an initial stage, offering them an operation, even though, yeah, I can make a massive difference and I know that I can improve you considerably. But will that match up to what your expectation is? Then that person needs to be um, evaluated by professionals that are not surgeons. Um, to by so yeah, usually and and sometimes they they often actually already have their have a psychiatrist and they may have different um, psychiatric diagnoses because it's often these issues aren't standalone so they may already have um, suffered from or had treatment for depression and or anxiety and I think anxiety is um, something that that plays a role in a lot of these things and even even if someone doesn't have body dysmorphia but say for example they've got you know, G-cut breasts and they've lived their, all of their teenage life getting teased and harassed and abused for that, then there's so much emotional attachment um, and anxiety around the size of their breasts that it's hard to, sometimes can be hard for them to separate those things out. And so it's always good and sensible for someone to have either their GP that knows them very well and can chat with them about their motivations as well for surgery and whether they've got some realistic expectations and genuine concerns or else having a a psychiatrist involved as well. That's often a little bit of a red flag. So we, we work with people who are in that field. So if you have a sense that maybe someone you're not quite sure and you want to get them assessed and you raise it and they're really aggressively against it mm-hmm. it's usually a pretty good sign that there's there's trouble brewing whereas if, if you say to someone listen I see your problem I understand what you're talking about but putting it into perspective it's maybe not quite as bad as what you I'd like you to just see this person I've worked with them a lot I just I just want them to make an assessment to help you deal with the surgery and your expectations and if they're really opposed to that that's a big red flag because if someone sort of is, has some awareness of it, they can do well. And those people will say, that's a really good approach. Like, I appreciate that. And they go along. And more often than not, the, the person will say, look, I think they do have like a hyper awareness of this problem, but they've got coping strategies. We've talked about it. I'm available for them after the surgery. Win-win. Everyone wins. They get their surgery. They can deal with the result. They're happy. But it's the people who then say, no, 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 I'm, I, I, there's no problem. And they, they can go elsewhere. Do you find that family does play a role in these situations? Like a family member might want them to get surgery because they think that's actually going to help them over? Absolutely. So people, uh, their approach to life and surgery and everything, a lot of that is due to the other people that are around them as well. I, in, in taking a history 
yeah, ask people what their motivations are and where. And generally, they'll tell you before you even ask. You know, it's like I, I've hated this part about my body for the last ten years. And I've been doing some research. And I've been thinking about it, as opposed to, I've just broken up with my husband and I suddenly, you know, I, I want a hot body and I want my breasts done. And that's when we would sort of take a step back and be like, okay, you know, you've got to have thought about this for a while and really consider the pros and cons and things. And it, it's very uncommon as well to have someone that would be coming in and saying, you know, I want to get a breast augmentation because my husband tells me that I have to have that. Mm. Um, it, it's so, so more common that someone is like, you know, I want to do this for myself. And then I'll sort of say, you know, who's at home with you? Are they supportive of you having surgery? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, they're supportive, but they're not the ones that are pushing me to do it. So that's the kind of approach that you want someone that they're, they're not being pushed to do it by anyone other than themselves. But they also have involved family members in making decisions. And so they've, they've, got their partner or their mother or their sister on on board and have the support before and afterwards so if someone is looking at having surgery and no one knows about it again that's a that's a bit of a red flag that they're kind of like oh you know I'm not I don't I don't want to tell anyone about this at all mm. you kind of like okay what what really is the motivation for that mm. What are the other red flags, Richard? So I think one of the red flags would be where a patient comes in and they they try and dictate the terms and tell you exactly what you're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Right, newsflash, we're not Uber drivers, okay? So you don't just go in your phone app and say, I'm going there and you get in and the driver just doesn't ask you any questions and drive. Okay, we're not Uber drivers. So we'll make an assessment. We understand where you're trying to go, but we'll decide the. we'll tell you what's the best route, where we're going to go. We may even alter the destination. Okay, so plastic surgeons aren't Uber drivers. And if anybody is coming in and expecting us just to say, listen, I want this and this is what you're going to do, often that might be a red, red flag that there's something wrong going on. Yeah. So you guys are in the driver's seat. Correct. But you're not an Uber driver. Well, look, I think this is a, it's been a very informative session. Obviously, always head to our, if we have not covered something that you think is relevant or definitely in, in the mental health space as well as the physical space, we'd love to hear from you. So head to our Facebook pages or Instagram or just email us. But thank you again, Richard and Kim. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Keeping It Real. To keep up with our next episodes, go and subscribe on Spotify or iTunes or wherever it is that you get your podcast. If you have further questions or want to take the next step, visit www.replasticsurgery.com.au or follow Re on social media.